Today we continue our What Disciples Do series. Each week we're exploring another aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And in this series so far, we've jumped all around the Bible. We've gone uh, in and out of the Gospels, uh, the Epistles. Last week uh, we, we read from the Prophets. But today we turn to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis to meet one of its pivotal characters, Jacob the grandson of Abraham, whose 12 sons will become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, I'm going to give you a hint. Whenever you want to know how a story is going to go in the Old Testament, a good hint is to look at the meaning of that character's name. It's the ultimate spoiler alert. For instance, the story of Cain and Abel. Cain in Hebrew means to acquire by force, whereas Abel means dust, mist. Knowing the meanings of their names, there's no surprise how the story there goes. In a similar way, we meet Jacob. Jacob is a trickster. His name literally means heel grabber. Now, no offense to any Jacobs out there. My name, James, is actually a derivation of Jacob, so we're in the same boat. So Jacob tricks his father into giving him the blessing instead of Isaac's intended heir, Jacob's twin brother, Esau. Needless to say, the relationship is now strained. But now Jacob wants to reconcile, make amends with his brother Esau, who had since moved away to Edom. So he goes out with his family and entourage to do this, but along the way, he's confronted by another being. This is our story today, and it's one of my favorites from Genesis. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 32nd chapter of Genesis, beginning with the 22nd verse. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. In our reading today, we see an epic wrestling match. As I said before, Jacob is on a mission to meet with his estranged twin brother Esau. He and his family have been on the road and are camped in the hill country of Gilead, a land that's bisected by the Jabbok River. Jacob sends his family and flocks across the river, 
presumably as a caution of protection in case Esau attacks in the night. This leaves Jacob strangely alone until he's visited, not by Esau, but by a mysterious man who wrestles him to the ground. Neither Jacob or the reader knows who this man is. His identity is cloaked by the dark of night. The epic bout continues until daybreak. Jacob appeared to be prevailing, but then the man dislocates Jacob's hip. Then the mysterious man's identity becomes just a little clearer. He asks Jacob not to let him go because day is breaking, when it will become clear who he is. But Jacob already seems to have a pretty good guess. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. This actually echoes the very encounter he has with Esau when he takes the birthright. Jacob knows that this is a deity, or at the very least, an angel of God. The man asks for Jacob's name, and then like Abraham and Sarah before an encounter with the divine, God gives Jacob a new name, Israel. Now, Israel is a compound of two Hebrew words, Yisra, which means to struggle or to wrestle, and El, short for Elohim, which is a word, uh, a name for God. So Jacob wrestles with God and receives a new name, which means one who struggles or one who wrestles with God. In turn, Jacob brushes himself off after his wrestling match with the divine, now bearing a limp from his hip injury, and he names the place Peniel, which means face of God. He's now able to go and reconcile with his brother. That's exactly where the story goes uh, following our reading. So Jacob, the heel grabber, the trickster, wrestles with God and is given a new name. His old one will no longer do. He's moved past all of this. Now he's to be identified not for his past trickery, but for his willingness to struggle with God. He is now Israel. And this name will soon become not just his name, but will come to define a nation and really become the name of all of God's children. He has struggled with God. Sure, he now has a limp because of it. Wrestling with God will leave a mark on you. But in this struggle, he also has seen God face to face and experienced God's blessing. You've heard me talk a number of times about stories in the Bible we simply need to wrestle with as disciples. But this story challenges us to actually wrestle with God. Our story here has a mythical, folktale-like feeling to it, so I think it's safe to say that we're not talking about a call to engage in a WWE or UFC-style cage match with God. So what, then, does it mean to wrestle, to struggle with God? Thankfully, the Bible is rich with examples of faithful people living into their name of Israel, as those who struggle, as those who wrestle with God. If we read on in scripture, we'll see that Moses wrestles with God numerous times, first about his own calling, then later in the wilderness as he tries to lead a tired and complaining Israel to the promised land. King David will wrestle with uh, God as he hides for his life in a cave. Pretty much the whole book of Job is one long wrestling match with God, wherein Job questions God's goodness and justice. The prophet Jeremiah, who we, who we discussed last week, cries out to God in anger repeatedly over the exile. 
Many of our 150 psalms are laments, personal laments, communal laments, where the psalmist laments God's presence in light of their circumstances. One of which, Psalm 22, Jesus himself will quote from the cross, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And finally, the man Jesus himself will commend, who comes to him saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. The God we meet in scripture is one that wants us to be engaged with the divine, even if that means crying out in anger, frustration, confusion, or perplexity. Why? Because this means that we're still in relationship with God. We're expressing how we feel about life's tragedies, injustices, and just flat-out things we can't understand. And God seems to affirm this struggle with Jacob by blessing him. And God will commend this struggle by countless others throughout the witness of Scripture and the history of the church. As I said before, the meaning of a name in the Bible often tells you a lot. And the people of God are given the name Israel, those who will struggle with God. In this way, it seems that wrestling with God, struggling with God, is an important part of discipleship. As disciples, we cannot be content with religious platitudes or pithy answers to the big questions of faith. We know that the big theological, metaphysical, existential, ontological, teleological questions of faith, life, and the world around us cannot have a bumper sticker answer. Instead, we're called to wrestle, to struggle for meaning about who God is, and in turn, who we are. In the age of Google, we all want fast, simple, easy answers. But when it comes to faith and questions about God, we need to struggle. We need to wrestle with these in order to grow. All of our teachers in the congregation know best and can tell us best that it's when students ask questions, or even when they question the content, that they're truly engaged with the material. The same could be said about the journey of faith. It's in the struggle, it's in the wrestling with God, in the journey of faith, that we're brought closer to the God we know in Christ. And this struggle, this wrestling match with God is one that lasts throughout life. Because we will never know all the answers in this life. St. Anselm said it best when he said that the Christian life is one of faith-seeking understanding. We have God-given faith, sure. But the process of understanding is the lifelong wrestling match that accompanies the journey of faith. Here's how I think of it. Wrestling or struggling with God is like the friend or family member you often take out your frustrations on in difficult times. And you do that because you know your relationship can handle it. Or when a close friend or family member upsets you, you let them know. Because on the other side, you hope, you know that your relationship will be stronger. Writer and social work researcher Brene Brown talks about an aspect of leadership that reminds me of this. On her research team, she encourages the people working with her to engage in what she calls rumble sessions, where anyone in the room is able to express a frustration or other sort of critical feedback to her or someone else on the team. 
Though all these folks report to Brown, she encourages them to wrestle, to rumble with her, because it's through this she hopes that the relationships will strengthen and that their work together will improve. These sessions allow her to be vulnerable as a boss, but they also empower her staff to be committed to the work and committed to their own personal growth. In a similar way, God calls God's children Israel, those who struggle with God, because God wants us to be deeply committed in relationship with him, even and perhaps especially in frustration, perplexity, even anger. Holocaust survivor and and famed writer Elie Wiesel once famously said that the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. God wants us to wrestle, to struggle, because God loves us so much that the last thing God wants for us is to be indifferent apathetic in our relationship with God. Through his death and resurrection, Christ has reconciled us with God and brought us back into relationship with God. As his disciples, we wrestle with God because we know that our relationship with God is too important to let slip into indifference. I remember the first time I wrestled with God. As I shared before, my father died when I was 11 years old. And after hearing plenty of bad theology from friends and family members, you know, like the the God needed another angel thing, I and my adolescent future pastor self knew there was something wrong with this way of thinking, but I wouldn't dare say anything about it. Deep down, though, I was in a spirit of frustration, utter confusion about how God could let such a thing happen. Short time later, I remember a conversation I had with my pastor. I shared my feelings where I felt uh, like I was in my own faith's journey. Here's what he said. You know, it's okay to be mad at God. I think our all-powerful, all-loving God can take it. Notice, I wasn't told why God would let my dad die. Instead, he affirmed my struggle. He affirmed my wrestling match with God. It was through this wrestling that my faith started to truly form. As I struggled with understanding who God is, who I am as a child of God, and how to follow Christ in light of this. Like Jacob, I received some emotional and spiritual scars. But it was also through this time of struggle that I truly saw God. And I'll tell you, friends, the wrestling match continues on to this day. I still struggle with questions of faith in light of the problems of the world tragedies in our lives. I still wrestle with issues in our communities. But it's in this struggle that I can see and feel closer to God. It's in this struggle that I'm reminded of God's presence. It's in the struggle that I feel God's blessing. Friends, as disciples, we wrestle with God when we ask the hard questions of our faith. We wrestle with God when we simply ask why in the face of tragedy and injustice. suffering. We wrestle with God when we aren't satisfied with easy answers. When we wrestle with God, we may bear the spiritual and emotional scars from the struggle, but it's also in the struggle when we can see God face to face, 
and experience God's blessing. In this struggle, we're reminded of just how big is and how small we are. Sorry. We're reminded of just how big God is and how small we are. We're reminded of a God who is always greater, a God who is always more loving, and yet always more mysterious than we can ever comprehend. So disciples, may we keep wrestling with God. May we keep asking hard questions. May we seek out God to simply cry out, why and how long, O Lord? May we keep wrestling with God because we're not content with platitudes and easy answers to life's big questions. May we keep wrestling with God because we know that our relationship with God is too important to let slip into indifference. As we wrestle, may we remember, friends, that God is with us in this struggle. And like Jacob, it's in the struggle where we receive God's blessing and can even glimpse God face to face. May it be so, friends. Amen.